Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag Your Mind Oh, good evening everyone, I'm Rick Walker Welcome back to the Maverick News channel Let me uh, get that logo off my face Sometimes I do that uh, short broadcast tonight coming on a little bit late as well. Honestly, just a little under the weather today, uh, but I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to let a day go by without at least coming on and sharing at least some of the most important information of the day with you because there is some important stuff going on out there as usual. And, uh, and it deserves attention. Um, you know, it's uh, a situation where a couple of days ago we received information and the thumbnail on our broadcast said something big is happening. And it was referring really specifically to all this global unrest. And something indeed very big is happening. Huge, in fact. And so the information that I was receiving was correct. I wasn't able to give a lot of details on it, but I'll outline a little bit of that for you tonight before we sign off. Um, in addition, you know, I just wanted to address as well uh, some some messaging, <clears throat> excuse me, that has been coming in from a few different people over the past few days. People have sensed a change in the 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 lineup of stories that we've been doing the focus of uh the the broadcasts and uh some people like that we're covering more international news some people are saying that they can't understand what we're doing here what i'm doing and uh wonder if i'm even really fighting for freedom anymore well indeed i i can only say that Yes, I am 
fighting for freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, uh, for your rights as individuals. And everything that we do here seems to interconnect in one way or another. And even when we're covering all of these international stories, it doesn't matter if you're in Canada or the United States or even anywhere around the world, they all affect everything else. And a lot of the stories we've been covering in the last few days are going to, you'll see, lead right back to Canada and the United States, but also even Canada in a, in a very meaningful way. Sometimes the information I'm providing is not entirely complete. These stories unfold over time as we work through them together. And especially that story um, last night, uh, involving Miles Miles Guo, the new federal state of China, which is that organization that has been set up to combat and even take down the Communist Party of uh, China, connected to Steve Bannon, who is connected to Trump. And there's some very weird things about that case against Miles Guo, the billionaire who is still in jail in the United States on charges of fraud, accused of defrauding investors of about a billion dollars connected to a media company, a social media company that he was setting up and a cryptocurrency called Himalaya coin. Now, the thing that there are a lot of really weird things about that case, and I'm digging into it deeper, and you'll see that there are some very important and meaningful connections to everything that has everything to do with freedom. And these conflicts that we're covering right now in the Middle East, in Ukraine, it has everything to do with freedom right here at home. There are linkages right here on the home front. This all ties in together, all of it. If you don't think that I'm not fighting for freedom sitting in this chair every single night, you're sadly mistaken. But I will not be led astray. I will not, at least not knowingly, I will not get focused on the little tiny things to a point where I get so distracted that we're not looking at the bigger picture and Focus, focusing on the things that really matter. We need to understand how all of this craziness in the world is unfolding to, to truly understand it so that we can together as a community, as a country, as a family, find a, a, a constructive and productive path forward so that we can restore freedoms that have been stripped from us and protect those few freedoms that we still seem to have at least some sort of hold on. So that's why I'm on here tonight too. I'm not feeling well at all today, but I'm here still sitting in this chair because you're darn right. I'm here and I'm fighting for freedom, but in a real way, and I'm not going to get sucked down into some tunnel or rabbit hole or whatever you want to call it, or pulled down a side road or focused on uh, silly things that uh, are really meant to just 
distract us. And I'm not talking about the kind of crap that, you know, don't talk to that double. What? No, I mean, like really silly things um, that truly do get us distracted. I'm going to focus on real stuff and I'm going to stay as grounded as I possibly can here. And sometimes we do go down some crazy roads and we do look at some, some crazy things, but that's because sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. So I'll cover the truth, but I'm not going to get sucked down into a rabbit hole where I'm pulled away from reality to a point where I can't properly serve you. So stick with me, man, because I'll, I'll, I'm doing my best. And it is crazy out there, but I'm doing my best. You're darn right I'm fighting for freedom. And uh, you stick around over the next few days, and you'll see that it all ties together. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and be afraid of my own darn shadow. In fact, I'm not going to show any fear at all in the face of people who over the last few days in particular, I've noticed, you know what, have a lot of people kind of trying to encourage me to quit. You know why that is? Because I'm just too darn close to the truth. And that makes some people pretty darn uncomfortable. You stick with me. I'll be right back. Okay, so I'll talk more than show tonight. Um, a lot of telling and not so much showing. I don't have a lot of clips and things lined up, so I'm just going to lay it right out and just say it, tell it like it is. So two days ago, I received information that something really big is happening on the Ukraine war front. Uh, the information that we've been receiving from open source and from uh, some contacts and also from uh, other media reports as well tell, told us that there was a lot of activity in South Crimea, military activity, Russian military activity. Um, troop movements, military vehicles, um, a lot of aircraft seen overhead. Uh, so we knew there was a lot going on there. And then we, so I, I, I reached out, got confirmation from several different sources who indicated that, yes, they are seeing that in various locations around South Crimea, um, found open source information also about it. Uh, so, yes, there was all kinds of activity there. Then we're seeing that's when I said, OK, we're going to do this broadcast two nights ago. And the, the thumbnail said something big is happening. Indeed, it is. So then what have we seen? We've seen since then. Putin announcing that that he is increasing the size of his overall troops 
by another 170,000 troops, okay? So that's about a 10 to 15% increase in the overall size of his, his force. So he's issued an order to do that. We're seeing mobilization in the south of Crimea. We're seeing, in addition to that now, as of the last, well, 24 to 36 hours, confirmation reports that Zelensky has now coming off a bunch of statements saying that they're holding the line, actually now regrouping and pulling his forces in to fortify key locations around Ukraine, including the capital. And there are reports that they're setting up basically a ring around the capital in Kiev, or Kiev, depending on whatever era you want to go back to, to choose how to pronounce that. Um, so it's clear that Ukraine is pulling back into a defensive posture. Russia is increasing its, its troop size, resituating where they're located. And it's pretty clear that we are about to see a lot more action in Ukraine after what, especially over the last couple of months, has turned into pretty much a stalemate. It looked very much like we had just a flat-out stalemate, and maybe we were going to be proceeding, or there was real incentive for the Ukrainians and NATO and NATO to enter into or pursue peace talks again. However, my assessment of this, for what it's worth, and this is just coming from me now, what I, what I make of this is that support has been eroding for the war here in North America, in Canada and the United States, and among other NATO countries, but especially in the United States and in Canada. People here are tired of it. They don't want to hear about it anymore. Public support is waning. There's been an information war ongoing with Russia engaging heavily in that to honestly undermine public support for the war. Can't blame them. That's just the way the game is played. In addition to that, for very legitimate reasons, the public is very tired of the war. I said from the beginning the war never had to happen, that it was a mistake to go in there um, and support what was going on. Um, it was a mistake for NATO to sort of offer membership to Ukraine, even though Ukraine still hasn't been taken into the NATO fold. But in we went anyway. The war has been a disaster. Hundreds of thousands of soldiers on both sides, and in particular on the Ukrainian side, slaughtered. At least 400,000, at last count, Ukrainian troops killed. And as is unbelievable that the, the level of support that was provided to Ukraine has only ever been enough to sort of push forward a bit, but never, just like Vietnam, never enough to win. Never enough to win. So it's turned into this, what looked like a stalemate, and then public support has collapsed over here. The public doesn't want to spend any more money. Tons of money flowing through there. But now that the support has fallen apart, I think Putin and the Russians, 
They've been just biding their time, waiting, sitting back, knowing full well that at some point, the, the American public, the NATO countries, would just get tired of it. That's the, that's the pattern all the time in the West. Just sit back and wait, sit back and wait. Once the funding is cut, once it's gone or it's diminished, Ukraine is, is in an extremely vulnerable position. I think we're about there. So I think you're going to see some major developments. Now, beyond that, I'm not going to speculate too much. I don't know. I, I don't know that Vladimir Putin really wants to take over all of Ukraine. I don't know that he really wants to try to control the whole country. But at this point, while it looked like it was a stalemate and maybe peace talks, maybe not. Because without you think your vote doesn't count. It sure does. Your support counts. I keep telling you that. You matter to the powers that be. They want your mind. They want your heart. But mostly they want your mind. And mostly they want your money. And they want your consent. So they manufacture consent for wars. And is always the case when they enter into wars, there's you know a fairly high level of public support in the beginning. But over time, as the realities of war come home to roost, public support for wars here on the home front. It erodes over time. People become tired of it. It's a war over there. You, you're paying more for gasoline, more for, for your groceries. We're further and further in debt. People don't want to finance it anymore. We just don't care that much. It's all over there. Let's just forget about it. And the result is another military loss. So we'll see what happens, but that's that is for sure what is happening on the ground at the ground level on the battlefront. More troops, repositioning of, of troops, Ukraine now moving into a defensive posture, fortifying key strategic locations, including the capital, and Russia now poised and ready, if they want, to take on an offensive more aggressive approach. Whether they will or not, we'll have to see. But that's the situation. Now, in addition to that, and this absolutely has everything to do with freedom on the home front, we are seeing more confirmation of Chinese infiltration into our political system here on the home front. We've also seen uh, the, 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 the head of the Canadian military here acknowledged that just a couple of weeks ago, finally figuring out that, hey, we're actually at war with China and saying so publicly and saying that it's not a conventional war, that it's more of an information war at this point with China, but also it's a, 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 a war of strategy. And man, are we being outfoxed. China has its fingerprints over all over all kinds of events unfolding around the world tonight. As we speak, there are political fires being lit all over the globe. And it's China backed up by its Axis friends, Russia, India, Iran, South Africa, Brazil. These are the countries, the BRICS nations, who are orchestrating or 
creating a, a, a parallel economy and a, a parallel currency to take on the the U.S. dollar as the world default currency. So there's that kind of assault on the economy. And then in addition to that, in very real terms and political terms, we're also seeing tonight unrest in Venezuela, an oil producing country where China has a pretty significant footprint. So too does Hezbollah. So too does Iran. So too does Russia down there, but especially China has a footprint right there in Venezuela. And it looks like there could be a conflict between Venezuela and Guyana right next door. So you've got instability right there and not far from there, Brazil, also not very far from there. Another story that we told you about here on Maverick News about two weeks ago in Panama. Panama is another tinderbox. It looks like that tinderbox has sort of been extinguished, but at the expense of the West, at the expense of specifically Canada. You think it doesn't have anything to do with freedom? It has everything to do with freedom right here on the home front. Rick, you're covering too much politics in the United States and around the world. You need to focus on Canada. This is all about Canada. There's a mining company down in, well, it's a Canadian mining company. It's called First Quantum, and they have a subsidiary down there. It's basically a spinoff company, but it's First Quantum. Copper mine, huge open pit copper mine. They were given a contract with the government in Panama to run that mine. I believe it was for 20 years. Big protests happened down there, at times getting extremely violent, also destabilizing the entire country, all in the name of environmentalism. A Supreme Court ruling in Panama, Supreme Court in Panama, ruled that the contract was unconstitutional because it was harming the environment. Where have we seen this pattern over and over and over and over again? Right here in Canada, in the United States as well. With everything from mining and forestry, but especially with oil and pipelines. Well, the same basic pattern unfolded in Panama, but in actually a very aggressive and at sometimes violent way with some protesters and people being actually killed in the in the course of these protests, but the Supreme Court now ruling against the contract, and now the mining company is pulling out. Thousands of jobs lost. Not clear what will happen with the mine. The mine's already there. They were just being given a contract to extend the operation for another 20-some years. But it's very disruptive. This is very costly to the West because... It represents a large port, well, not a huge portion, but about 1% to 2% of the entire copper production in the world, which means higher copper prices. It also means a, a blow to a Canadian company. It means a blow to the Panamanian economy because a lot of jobs now are being lost, unless, of course, that mine reopens. And I expect that at some point it will, but not with a Western company 
running it. It will be done uh, probably in some sort of nationalized form or through some other country that probably will be from the other side of um, this global conflict that we're seeing unravel and unfold before our very eyes. Keeping in mind that Panama is situated right down there in a, in a very important location. Panama Canal, strategic, and the costs to shipping companies have been increasing over time. There, there's a backlog of ships now because of the unrest there. Ships are not able to get through efficiently. I think they're only pumping about uh, 16, 18, 19, maybe 20 ships a day tops go through the Panama Canal right now. And the costs are so high that a lot of the ships are being forced to do it the old fashioned way. Go all the way, long way around. The reason that canal was created, it's a man-made canal. Remember that. They, they made that canal so that the ships wouldn't have to go all the way around the tip. Right? Do you know your history? It saved shipping companies, saved lives because of, uh, you know, the inclement weather that the ships would have to would encounter taking the long route around. But now it's so costly to go through the Panama Canal that a lot of the shipping companies are are taking the long way around again. This is huge for West, the Western economy. If you don't have good shipping, efficient shipping, costs increase. Everything takes longer. Huge blow to the economy. The strength of the economy forms the backbone of any National security for any nation. If you don't have a strong economy, you're not going to be able to fight. This is another blow to the Western economy. Don't take these protests at face value. I say there are political motivations behind those protests. And it's not just about the environment. Believe you me. A lot more going on there than meets the eye. But that's not all. In addition to that, you still have your conflict in the Middle East, Israel, Hamas. What's that resulted in? Over 1.7 million people displaced from Gaza. Canada now going to be accepting, we're being told, Maybe as many as an additional 500,000 refugees. You don't think that's about freedom? You don't think that affects Canada and our sovereignty, our national stability as a country, our economy? It has absolute direct impacts on everything about our society, our culture, our ability to provide services to everyone, including newcomers, through hospitals, infrastructure. Policing, housing, the cost of housing. Can't build them fast enough. Too many people coming in versus the you know, number of houses being built. Who benefits from that? Who benefits from that instability? You don't think that's about freedom? That's about your freedom. It's about their freedom, too. 
and you're seeing polarization right here, you're seeing that conflict play out in terms of, at least at this point, protests on the streets, in subways, on city buses, people fighting in the streets right here in Canada and the United States. And we've seen people killed in some of those protests as well. It's at times even already turning violent. Regardless of what side you might be on on that dispute, and me, I'm not picking a side so much, but I do see what's going on. So it's important to cover these things. And those aren't the only, you know, places in the world that uh, are experiencing, you know, severe unrest. You've got all of Europe, basically at this point, very unstable, again, because of massive immigration. You have the open border problem down in the United States along the Mexico border. And then in addition to that, because of all this unrest, you have people like Lieutenant Steve Rogers and his SOS campaign talking about Canada actually becoming a national security threat to the United States because of Chinese influence and infiltration in the Canadian government. And while I don't really agree with everything that Lieutenant Steve Rogers says, and I find that some of his rhetoric is honestly somewhat alarming when he's talking about mass arrests of anyone out there protesting in favor of Palestine, he's not entirely wrong. Canada's government has been infiltrated to some degree, maybe to a great degree. How, how much infiltration there is remains to be seen, but there's a paper trail on this, and Canada's Security and Intelligence Service is aware of it. Senior security officials in Canada are aware of it, and we've shown you that. You're aware of it as well. And then there's this whole issue of Chinese police stations, as they are described, right here in Canada. You don't think that's about freedom in Canada? Absolutely is. Am I sitting here talking about international politics and what's going on in other countries because I'm not fighting for freedom? No, it's quite the opposite. I'm telling you about this because, well, everybody is focused on we have to tear our own government down and the system's no good. No, I'm telling you that the system has been abused. It's being corrupted from within by people who have been placed within the government in strategic positions by foreign governments or bought off. And that is what our own security services have been trying to tell us, including the RCMP. And so the solution to the problem is not to tear the whole system down, it's to surgically remove the tumors. Now, I'm not exactly, I'm not gonna get into too much more of that tonight, but if you're messaging me and, and asking me why I'm covering the stories that I'm covering, and then saying, I don't understand, it doesn't seem like you're fighting for freedom, it's because there's more to fighting for freedom than just talking about a convoy that took place a couple of years ago. There's way more to fighting for freedom than being afraid of the lamppost in front of your front house, in the front of your house. 
there are real things going on. And if you get too distracted on these little teeny things, you know, and you, you get, you let the, you let some people mislead you so that you're chasing your tail and you're afraid of your own shadow, you're not going to be focused on the bigger picture and you're not going to be able to see what the real solutions need to be. So I'm bringing you the information that you really need to know in order to fight or, and that's not even the right word because in order to react, respond and come up with a, a, a proper strategy to ensure your freedom moving into the future. The trap, it's a trap to fight in a conventional way when you're engaged in an unconventional war, in a war that has never been fought in this way before. This is fifth generation warfare. Most people, the vast majority of people, don't even realize they're in a war. But we are. And we've seen the head of the Canadian military, Mr. Ayers, tell us exactly that. Even they're finally realizing that, hey, you know what? It looks like we're under attack. Yes, no kidding. Cyber attack. Information warfare attack. And in some cases, military attack or military posturing around the, the world where they're also basically setting political fires. Also tonight, what are we seeing? Ships attacked. Three ships attacked in the Red Sea. Let me show you. Three ships attacked in the Red Sea. Sky News, this is widely reported now as of a couple of hours ago. I was aware of this earlier, much earlier today. An American warship intercepts drones fired in its direction as it responds to distress calls, but says it's unsure where the ultimate target was. So these are commercial ships that were attacked and it happened near Yemen and Houthi rebels have claimed responsibility saying they would stop Israeli-linked ships passing while the war in Gaza is ongoing. So this is another escalation related to the war between Israel and Hamas, Yemen becoming directly involved. And we are seeing that there are links back to Iran where are these drones coming from? Who's supplying them? Iran, an ally of Russia. All of these countries are aligned, just as NATO is aligned on the other side. You don't think we're into a third world war? We absolutely are. You don't think that affects us right here on the home front? It's starting to in a very major way. And you're going to see a lot more of it. So it says here the missile landed in the vicinity of the vessel. Um, it isn't really clear at this point how much damage might have been done to these ships. Doesn't look like there were any injuries, but this is significant, especially because you have a U.S. warship, the USS Kearney, involved. Now, I don't think that it there was so much, it wasn't significant enough 
that I, you know, we're going to see a major response from the U.S. against Yemen in this particular case. I think the U.S. is too smart for that, <laughs> although not always very smart. But to get to respond in a, in a major way here would be a strategic error for sure. But why are we seeing all of these fires, political fires being lit? these strategic fires being lit. It's to, I, I believe, and again, this is me as pretty much a journalist layman. I think it's to make sure that the United States and NATO countries are spread as thin as possible. That's also why you're seeing the ramp up in, uh, in posturing with Russia and Ukraine as the West goes through the process to start to disengage from Ukraine and find an exit strategy now because the public is tired of it and the funding is drying up for the war. No, no, no. They want to keep the U.S. as engaged as possible. The United States is spread thin all over the world with its military bases, all over. Money is in short supply. Can't even continue to fund the war in Ukraine. What are you going to do now? Now you've still got to deal with Ukraine. Oh, no, you think it's, it's just going to be a stalemate? Don't think so. Ramp it up. Keep those, keep those resources coming in. Ukraine itself is running out of manpower. They're running out of resources as well. Wear them down. Wear them down. Make it difficult for the, econo for the economy to prosper undermine the economy on, in the West as much as possible. Fund environmental groups and their protests to prevent drilling for oil domestically. Fund the protests and support the protests in Panama and make that country as unstable as possible to disrupt shipping. You hear a lot of talk about the South China Sea and the United States trying to secure that area militarily for the purposes of supporting the smooth flow of goods for the West out of that area of the, of the world. They haven't been paying enough attention to South America and Central America and even Mexico, and they haven't been paying enough attention clearly to Panama, which the U.S. no longer really controls. And clearly now doesn't control it at all. And that's a very strategic location, not just militarily, but also economically, which is also about national security. That's going to affect us right here at home. So why, it's about spreading, forcing the U.S. and NATO countries to spread themselves as thin as possible, to keep everything spread, to keep the resources keep burning them up. The U.S. strategy was pretty clear under uh, the Biden administration. You know, we <laughs> we heard that what they were looking at doing was pushing and NATO was to push into Ukraine, push up against Russia and over time wear down those Russian forces, erode their resources, put pressure on them. Uh, yeah, it's backfired again and it's working out the opposite way. And then you've got all that instability with Taiwan. However, I predict you will not see a war right now. It, well, 
China might do something in Taiwan, but you're not going to see much pushback from the U.S. on that. And if that happens, the U.S. reputation around the world as being a protector of countries where promises have been made to other countries to protect their national security or their national sovereignty, ha, 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 it'll be uh, sullied to the point where people are no longer going to put much stock in that. And that's also important because the U.S. petrodollar is really about the U.S. arms dollar. It always has been. The U.S. The value of the U.S. fiat currency, which is the world default currency, is actually tied to the value of oil because, as I've said many times before, because Saudi Arabia forces anyone that wants to buy oil to buy it in U.S. dollars. That creates demand for the U.S. dollar and props it up in the absence of the gold standard. But in turn, in return, the United States provides military security for Saudi Arabia. So it's actually the arms. It's the United States military might that really backs up that dollar by protecting Saudi Arabia so that they can then force people to buy the oil with U.S. currency. Take away either the importance of oil or the strength of the military, either one, and the United States is in deep trouble. And we're seeing that on both fronts as well. Why do, why do you think I sit here and talk sometimes about electric vehicles? It's because it makes no sense. From a strategic or an economic perspective to push toward an electrification of the auto industry and the elimination of the use of oil in your economy when your currency and your entire economy is predicated on the strength of a dollar that is tied to the value of oil. It, it defies logic. And yet the Biden administration, the Trudeau, admin, the, the Trudeau, that's what they're pushing for. That's what they want. That's what they're using your tax dollars for to electrify an industry that will get us off oil and undermine the value of the dollar? It's insanity. Because there's nothing there to replace the oil because they're not planning to put the dollar back on the gold standard. They're not buying up gold, but other central banks around the world certainly are. En masse, because they see what's coming. The world's going back on a gold standard, whether we like it or not, at some point. And eventually, and I don't know when, but this is not sustainable, especially if the, the economy here with this kind of economic system is not sustainable if the dollar, which is tied to the value of the oil, is, is undermined. You think I'm not talking? This is all about freedom. This is about, this is about economic security. This is about your pension. This is about your health care. This is about your ability to survive housing prices, food prices. You talk about food security and freedom. It's all about the economy. All of these things are in play right now. And what are we seeing? Accusations of Joe Biden 
and his family having direct ties to China, taking money directly from China, the Chinification of the White House. It's a very real thing. And that's why we're looking at uh, possible impeachment proceedings announced this coming week. That's what the plan is. We'll see if it actually happens. And that all goes back. All of this ties back to Clintons, to the Clintons, to Obama. And the foreign policies, especially that Obama put in place. And the cultural Marxist policies that he put in place as well to fundamentally transform America. You think that's not about freedom? All of that plays directly into what's going on in Canada as well. It's all about your freedom. All of this. This has been unfolding for a long time. And the developments just over the last couple of days are truly significant. We are at a pivot point in this world conflict. This is going to drag on for quite a while yet. But make no mistake, we're at a pivot point. And one of the things that will hurt us the most is the instability, the division, the, uh, the, the, the loss of, of confidence in our governments, in our institutions, in our police, and even in our military. Not that Canada has much of a military left because we've sent our bullets and our bombs over to Ukraine already. There's nothing much left to fight with here. So our military is neutered. How are they going to defend us in the face of all of this? Good luck. Thank you, Trudeau, for doing that. And we saw just within the last week, our own military, again, our military leaders coming out and stating publicly that we are in real serious trouble here on the home front and that we need immediate action to refortify our military here in Canada because we don't have enough equipment for the troops that we have left. And in the wake of the pandemic and losing so many in the military because they didn't want to get the thing in the arm, the troop numbers are down. They can't even recruit people anymore. People don't want to join. And then you see all of the unrest over in the Middle East. And tonight, New York Times getting a response now from John Kirby to a New York Times report from two days ago saying that Israel knew in advance, a year in advance, about the plans of Hamas to attack on October 7th, although not necessarily on that date, but they had the plans and they were aware of them. And the the mainstream media is saying it's a bombshell report. And so Kirby did respond on ABC today saying that the White House really, um, I, I think he indicated that the White House wasn't aware, that the U.S. was not aware, and that these intelligence failures will have to be looked at. But I'm going to suggest to you tonight that you shouldn't take those mainstream media reports at face value. And even though I know that, like me, so many of you don't have much confidence in our government anymore, 
or in the government in the United States, or even in the, and I don't like what I see coming out of Israel, but I'm going to caution you, take that report from the New York Times with a huge grain of salt. It's the New York Times. This is the mainstream media feeding you this. Think a couple of steps ahead. Think in a broader sense. Think without just taking things at face value. And don't just get behind a story or accept it as fact simply because it seems to fit your narrative. I guarantee you with that story, there's more going on than meets the eye. The New York Times wants to undermine Israel's position on this. That story is out there because they have been trying to make Israel look bad. Israel has been losing the PR battle badly. And don't even take the actions of our government at face value either. Just because they fund a war over here or even send troops in sometimes, don't think for a minute. Don't think just given the the level of corruption that we're seeing within our government, the level of governments, the level of infiltration, um, and the confirmed infiltration and corruption because of paper trails as laid out by intelligence services within both Canada and the United States, don't think always that what you see a government do is actually what they intend to do. Does it make sense to fund a war, but only to a point where you get to a stalemate and then have to retreat and lose? Does it make sense in Afghanistan to leave behind how much? I wrote this down. $85 billion worth of military equipment left behind in Afghanistan. Does that make any sense? Is, does it make sense for Biden to do that? Didn't make any sense at all, did it? Not to me. billion worth of military hardware left in the hands of groups that are essentially adversaries at best and enemies at worst. Doesn't make any sense. Don't take it at face value. You have to look at who benefits from this and what, and the end result, who benefits from that? And why would they do something like that? Yeah, some people are getting filthy rich off this war in Ukraine. You think that's not about your freedom here at home? That's at your expense, my expense, the expense of the people. It's but I don't throw away the whole system and I don't dismiss every politician and every bureaucrat and every member of police and every, every intelligence officer. No, there are some good people out there still, and they're still trying to do their jobs, but you get key people infiltrating and put them in key positions. You get key people elected (laughs) or maybe not working in the best interests of the country. You've got yourself a big problem. Fifth generation warfare. 
we've got problems. And so even though I felt like crap today, I wanted to bring you up to date. And so here I sit in this chair again tonight. Am I fighting for freedom? You're darn right. I'm fighting for freedom. And you need to know all of this and not get distracted by silly things. You need to look at the bigger picture. We all need to look at that bigger picture right now because we are in unprecedented times. We're in a digital age, an information age. The information war is probably more important than the kinetic war, at least at this point. And God help us all if it escalates to a point where they start launching the nukes. Could happen. But right now, we still have some time, it seems. As long as we truly wake up. I'm surrounded by people on both sides. We're all surrounded by people on all sides. Everybody thinks they're awake. doesn't matter which side you're on. That side thinks you're crazy. You're looking at the other side. They're asleep. And I'm not sitting here saying I have all the answers. But we have to stay grounded. That's not to say I'm not paying attention to everything going on. I'm down the rabbit holes. I find the stuff. I look at that. I look at this. I listen to that to try to understand what's going on. There's some truth there. There's a truism there. That's an outright lie. Where are the facts surrounding that? What's the history on that? Where does that lead? Why did somebody say this or that? What's real? What isn't? And it just comes back to trying to deal with the facts and understand why people are thinking the way they're thinking looking at the strategies and then looking at what people, what governments are actually doing. Political realism in the real world. Look at that. Look at what people are doing. And then you can start to figure it out. Connect those dots. And it goes on. It goes on. Even all that stuff last night, you know, with Steve Bannon connected to Trump, the new federal state of China, based in the U.S., but focused on taking down the CCP in China. And everything they're doing links out internationally into all of these locations because it is China that is so active around the world right now setting these political fires. And it's all designed to create massive instability and eventually with destabilization, a political vacuum into which something new has to flow. And I will put it to you that what will flow if they get their way is much more Marxism, communism, and a whole lot less freedom. You don't think that's going to affect us here at home? Darn right. Because Canada itself is one of those countries in play right now. And I'll also submit to you that as a result of all of this, there's infiltration and influence within the freedom movement itself. 
And that is also why you're seeing at times infighting, division. People can't figure out what's going on because you have not really just freedom fighters in there or people who believe in freedom. You have a mix of people with different political agendas. It's a populist movement and injected into that populist movement, you have people from different political groups with different political agendas. And in some cases, there's foreign influence. And in some cases, there's even government influence that you're not really seeing because they're not really telling you who they really are. Which is also why over the last few days in particular, I've noticed an increase again of some people saying or, or taking steps to try to encourage me to quit. Well, I'll put it out there to you folks. You want me to quit? You can message me. But for now, I'm going back to bed. I just wanted to come on. Didn't want to leave you guys wondering what the heck happened and why there was no program tonight. So I came on for this short but important broadcast. I'll do my very best to be back here again tomorrow. I'm not quitting yet. Love you guys. See you tomorrow night on the flip side. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.